bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus politics like we're talking about reality TV. And I just want to, right off the bat, thank Johnny McGovern (laughs) because for Julie's birthday, he sent her a life-size cutout of Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. And at the risk of sounding smug, we did spend the entire weekend (laughs) doing drugs with Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, I mean, what a dream come true, Johnny. Every time I walked, first of all, every time I walked in there, I thought it was you. And then a beautiful, <laughs> darkly tanned pirate with yeah. a, a, eye makeup from the night before. Uh-huh. I resemble that <laughs> remark. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I was like, what does she do? Oh, it's Jack Sparrow. <laughs> like, just loving it. Love every second of it. He's right here. He's now he'll be here forever. He's in the he's in the podcast studio slash drug den. Yeah. He faces me. Yeah. Which I think is why you walk in and get startled because I've I'm used to him now. Right. But he's 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 huge. Well, when it's I a, walk by. Yeah, it's a giant pirate. It's a, his life size. <laughs> That's how tall he is. And I'll go up and in the morning I'll go. Hey. <laughs> and then I'll walk by just outside the, and like in the other room. If I walk by. That's when I think it's you. When you're walking past the doorway. Yeah. Yeah. It's been heaven and really great. And at first I was just like where are you going to put that? <laughs> and then you're like taking it out of the thing. And you're like, in <laughs> here, of course. And then it was like, oh, wow, that really does. That really does read. Uh-huh. It's really on brand yeah. for, for the for the podcast studio. Yeah. We stand by Johnny Depp. OK, mm-hmm. we don't want to hear your notes on whatever, <laughs> whatever shit you've been reading about. OK, fuck Amber Heard. Mm. If you want to hear about how we hate Amber Heard. Mm hmm. Uh, you could join our Patreon podcast. That's right. We'll be discussing that this week and so much more. <laughs> and all you need to do is go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics. And for $1 a week or $2, you can get one podcast or two podcasts. It's so cheap. It's so easy. It's so awesome. We will be talking about how Megan McCain unblocked Julie. But that's all we will say <laughs> about that for now. So our Patreon boo and podcast contributor and future president of the United States of America, oh, yeah. Max R., yeah. Sent us a picture postcard and a note from postsnap.com. If you want to send us your picture for the Drug Den Bulletin Board, postsnap.com. I'm sure they have an app that spies and trolls on you, <laughs> but it's the easiest way. You just put your picture on it, and then the postcard comes. It's it's pretty easy and affordable, and we've gotten so many from Postsnap, and it's just it's just reliable, and it's great. Yeah, and we're getting we're getting full again, but we're going to have to make room. We're going to do it all around yeah. Captain Jack Sparrow's yeah. head. Yep. Dear Julian Brandy, thank you so much for featuring my gay guy feelings on DGP. I look forward to contributing more legal information in the future. I realize that I haven't sent a recent photo of myself, so here I am with my good Judy and moot court partner Jocelyn at a competition last March pre-corona. Love, Max R. JD. Hell yeah, I signed my name JD now. I worked hard for that damn law degree. Mm-hmm. Now, Maxie Max, you had sent us pictures in i think 2017 maybe um where he he also sent us a box of dgp scrunchies oh maybe that was night 2019 then because mm. because it was all for scrunchie 19 right we sent out all the scrunchies with right. our t-shirts right. if you want to buy any t-shirts you can go to julianbrandy.com <laughs> we have t-shirts for sale and the pictures that max sent we chose a black and white one where he's facing to the side mm-hmm. it's kind of studious very very sexual <laughs> Law. Yeah, sexual law. Yeah, sexual law. Sexual law, jurisdictions. Now, we're going to probably cut out Judy just because, <laughs> you know, Max, she doesn't listen. 
and put you next to your old picture because we're attached to it. And this picture is just very smart. Oh, I mean, I love the suit. I love the brown shoe with the blue suit giving you just gentle mean, gentle mean jury stock treat. Okay. How very, this man, very upscale. He, if he doesn't have uh. a revolving door of men's going up into his goddamn bedroom. He is just, ugh. Uh, he really is chef's kiss. We love you, Max. Now, Narcissa mm-hmm. from Texas, meow meow, yes. sent us her picture for the Drug Den Bulletin Board, also post-snap. Yeah, and she had to say, Julie and Brandy, I wanted to come out of the woodwork <laughs> and say that listening to y'all brings me such joy and comfort. Y'all make everything sound interesting. Your natural chemistry reminds me of myself and my best friend. Long live the Romy and Michelle vibes. Keep up the hilarity with love, Narcissa, Patreon member. Yeah, I love that she said she was a Patreon member. It's the quickest way to her heart. And she's giving you a very gorgeous... Goddess. Yeah, singer. I'm on Mount Olympus. Yeah. I'm letting you know what to worship. Yeah, very beautiful. Very, just a stunning photo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we love it. Thank you, Narcissa. Crawl out of the woodwork anytime. You're Mm -hmm. out now and you will stay out because now you're on the Drug Den Bulletin Board with all the people who have crawled out of the woodwork (laughs) to to get to our hearts. Mm -hmm. Here's one. Who we also right. didn't know about. Now this. Okay. James Brown and his husband Perry uh-huh. from England. They sent us two cute black face masks with it on the black mask. It has a barcode that says scan here. Right. James, the mask is soft. It's loose. Lately, I've been feeling like my masks feel too tight. Yeah, like they're up in my nose. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they're tight on my ears. I don't need my ears being pulled oh forward pulled. or out. Pulled. Like Dumbo ears. Mm-hmm. So I love the way these masks feel. Yeah. They also give almost like a skeleton effect, the way yeah, the mouth right, looks. Yeah, right, right, because it's black and white, and it's almost, right, like the ma- it's, rather than a barcode, it looks like it could be a skeleton mouth. Yeah, or like a zipper. It's just not giving me like a little bit sinister vibes, mm-hmm. which I like a lot, actually, and I love the masks. So thank you. Got pics of him and Perry, okay, to, uh-huh. to proving it's real, they're real. <laughs> right. The package came from England as well, so that was really nice. We know how expensive, like, Overseas shipping. Oh my is. God. Yeah. Well, this note Dear Julian Brandy, just thought I'd get round to sending you a little note and a COVID 19 gift. I have listened to the podcast from the very beginning and would probably say I'm number 10 in the original 14. Your podcast is amaze and it's really gotten both of us through this total shit show that we call coronavirus. Love everything that you have done and always been a huge supporter of your candid, to the point attitude, as well as the ability to tell the truth about what's going on in Trump's America. I've included a picture for the Drug Den bulletin board of me and my husband. So now you have something English over on the wall. I hope you like the gifts. Nothing out of this world, but hopefully it will make your trips a little more stylish. I have finally converted my husband into a fan of the show, as it's all he has to listen to during the lockdown. So a little about us. I'm James, 34 years old from Essex. I work in health and fitness as my main job. Perry, my husband, is a porn performer and you can see all of him on Twitter at I am James Bennett. That's with one T. I am James Bennett. He has been doing adult entertainment work for the past five years and is pretty good at it. LOL. We got married three years ago and hopefully we will be starting a family soon. So please be prepared for another DGP baby. If you ever come to the UK, please let me know as we would love to take you ladies out for a great time. Love you loads, James and Perry. Julie looked at his dick, James. (laughs) Julie looked at Perry's dick. And so did you. Well, you showed it. Well, yeah, because I went to his, <laughs> his site being like, whoa, what's he what's doing? Well, we weren't sure which one in the picture was Perry and That's which one true. was James. So we actually also weren't sure which one was the porn performer and which one was the like tr- personal trainer. So we they both look like they could both do porn and they could both do yeah. personal training. They're both right. handsome. Right. So we go right over. Julie goes, of course, you you couldn't pull the bitch away with wild horses. Okay. Oh, porn on Twitter. (laughs) Let me hit it. And right away, it's an up close shot. Up close. (laughs) So and good for you, James. Good for you. And now for any of the gentlemen. Perry and Perry. uh, For any of you who are interested in a a very good looking, very well endowed gentleman, (laughs) go to I am James Bennett because he is working it. And he is. It was an eyeful. It was an eyeful. He is off the market. Well, yes, yes, he's off the market, but he is a porn performer, so you can go enjoy, enjoy his it. work. You can enjoy yeah. it. You can enjoy mm-hmm. it for free on Twitter. Yep. Now, speaking of DGP babies, that would just be beyond 
James, we would love for you to contact Andione, who's also in England. We have a lot of English re representation on the Drugged and Bulletin board, but um, Gemma, she's already got a baby, but you could go to Andione. You could get a yeah. surrogacy mm -hmm. contract <laughs> worked out. Uh -huh. We could have a full... <laughs> Just a whole DGP thing going on. Oh my on. god! Can you imagine if it was a DGP? Like if we were like a like a baby producing ring. Yeah. Oh my god! That sounds oh. great. There and they would all be so good looking. Andioni's super cute. Mm -hmm. You guys are super cute. It would just be ah wonderful. So speaking of that though, our most recent DGP baby, meow meow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paris Tun's daughter Goldie. Yes. We got a we got a post snap postcard from Paris. And Goldie is so fucking cute, okay? And just gorgeous baby. Her hair is sitting. It looks like <laughs> she looks like a like a like a hipster model. Yeah. This baby. Full head of hair. Yeah, and just but and the way the hair is yeah. like done like this, like kind of like a sweeped over thick bang. Right. It's just It reminded me of myself as a baby, which is just ironic. Because you know that I had a full head of hair. Well, also because we said we were disappointed that they didn't name the baby yes, Goldie go, Goldman. That's right. And that's how she signed it. Yeah. Hey, Sharks, I hope this gets some prime real estate on the board. Love you both. Goldie Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It really, no. I just, it, it will never get old. No. It will never get old. No. Imagining that that's our child that, <laughs> that Paris just had for us. Yeah. And it's our baby of the podcast. Uh. It's so great. And she's so cute. Oh, my God. Just warming the heart, warming the heart. Mm -hmm. Really nice notes that's all we really want really nice notes yeah, yeah. loved hearing from everyone and it's like oh, now we've get... got this bond yeah and it's it's awesome yeah it's great i also want to say just how good looking everyone who who li listens to the podcast is mm -hmm. just saying yeah all right now it's time to bring down the energy and the good vibes with the shitty week in corona <laughs> guess what bitch <laughs> coronavirus coronavirus shit is real shit is getting real shit is real Shitty Week in Corona featured another round of record-breaking COVID cases nationwide and another round of rich, powerful white men getting away with controlling the narrative and brainwashing people with their racist, fear-mongering, white supremacist agenda. First, we've got Tucker Carlson, the disgusting face of Fox News, whose show has higher ratings than any other cable news show in the history of cable news. And then later, when we go to fuck Facebook's gear, we've got Mark Zuckerberg, who owns a platform which is literally America's number one online source for news and far outreaches any actual online newspaper. Now, both of these shitbags are brainwashing elderly and ignorant Americans with their nonstop siege of fear-mongering, nationalist, fake news, and hate speech. And yet, no one can stop them. No one can stop them. I really want to encourage everyone to stick around for fuck Facebook skew. We have one of the most amazing guests we've ever had, Brandy Collins Dexter. She's so smart and so funny and so intimidatingly knowledgeable on all of the ways that Facebook discriminates. But I was so hungover that I'm scared I ruined it. I mean, I couldn't have kept up with her even with all my synapses firing. Not to mention that the shit she says about Mark Zuckerberg's reach and his stranglehold of power was so scary and mind scrambling that when she was done talking, my brain was literally like the commercial. This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. OK, my shit was sunny side up and looking for some buttered toast. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Scrambled brains with buttered toast does sound good right now. Well, don't worry, because I'm sure I'm going to re-scramble them later tonight for you. So anyway, Zuckerberg is next, but first we have to deal with human stain Tucker Carlson. So like Julie said, he's got the most popular news show in the history of America, and he's the golden boy of Fox News. Well, yesterday, the shit hit the fan with his show, and like Julie also said, none of the drama will affect Tucker Carlson or the stupid, shitty white henchman running Fox News. I find it hard to say his yeah, name, I do Tucker too. Carlson. I find it hard to say his name, too. So before you we tell you the news... We want to play a clip for any of our 14 listeners that haven't seen his show. Please pay attention to the laser sharp precision with which he fear mongers and instigates hate and derision using passive aggressive racism and bias. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Here's some bracing news we never expected to report. 
Black Lives Matter is now more popular than the president of the United States, and not slightly more popular than the president, much more popular. A survey this week by Rasmussen, a right-leaning pollster, found that 62% of likely voters now have a favorable opinion of Black Lives Matter. At the same time, Rasmussen found that Donald Trump's approval rating was 43%. That's almost 20 points lower. And by the way, Trump was not alone. Black Lives Matter is far more popular than Joe Biden is, too. It's more popular than America's religious institutions, all of them. It's more popular than the media, the Congress, and big business. Black Matters is more popular Black by matters? double digits than Idiot. both oh the Democratic God. and the Republican parties. It's almost as popular as the U.S. military. It's much more popular than the Pope. Good. The numbers are astounding, but the polls are not the only measure of it. Here's a Black Lives Matter rally from over the weekend in New York. Look at that picture. That is an ocean of people. Ask yourself the last time you saw a candidate for office who was able to draw a crowd like that. The media, in their relentlessly fawning coverage, usually describe Black Lives Matter as an activist group or a protest movement. But that's deception by understatement. Black Lives Matter is not a collection of marchers with signs. It's not a conventional political lobby like Planned Parenthood or the NRA. It's not pressuring Congress to pass some narrow new set of laws. Black Lives Matter is far more ambitious than that. It is working to remake the country and then to control it. Good! It's a political party. <laughs> Fuck! As of tonight, Black Lives Matter may be the single most powerful political party in the United States. Nobody says that out loud, but politicians understand it perfectly well. If nothing else, they understand power. They can smell it at great distances. And that's why they're lining up to bow before Black Lives Matter. Oh, my God. He's so disgusting, he makes my skin crawl. Turns out, sweetie, the head writer and the man responsible for that clip and every other intro monologue to Tucker Carlson's show was fired because he was outed as a violently racist, homophobic, misogynistic, <laughs> ugly virgin. He's a full incel. Full incel. Tell him what incel means, meow meow. It's a fucking white guy who can't get laid and feels that <laughs> they deserve to have sex because they're men. Literally. He's an involuntary celibate. celibate. So he's basically a, a basement dwelling racist cyclops who can't get fucked right. with someone else's dick. Exactly. And continually, even when he meets women, will push them away because he hates women. He hates women and mark my words and i'm sorry to say it that guy that guy's gonna shoot something he yeah is. he is that guy's gonna kill some people and tucker carlson still won't lose his show nope. fox news still won't have any consequences nothing will happen when the head writer of the most popular show in cable news history shoots up up uh, some kind of bank or wherever fuck he'll go or probably planned parenthood or somewhere where all women are so he basically got caught on a website, a, like a blog website that was it's it's not very popular, but it's it's for a small community of like law students from Yale and a few other colleges. That's who uses it. Right. And some people who who love to, to do racist fucking hate speech mm -hmm. and violent sexist bullshit, mm -hmm. they get routed there and they find it. So it's got this community of just complete garbage yeah hot garbage <laughs> so through just people's investigative journalism and probably just trolling and hacking people's computers they found out that it was him and he's, right and he's the head writer and right. then he was outed right so he was promptly fired right removed all traces of himself on the internet right so now he's hiding in a bunker somewhere yeah sharpening his teeth Sharpening his guns, <laughs> sharpening his tiny, tiny thumb dick and getting ready to go. And God only knows. God only fucking knows. And Fox News and Tucker Carlson want to act like they didn't know. They didn't know. Oh, they knew. Oh, they knew. How could you not? They knew. And he wrote, he has said famously and been famously quoted now when you read all of his writings that there wasn't a thing that came out of Tucker Carlson's mouth off that teleprompter that he did not write. Yeah. That's correct. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, Tucker Carlson it has said so many despicable, oh. Oh my despicable God. things over the years. Tucker Carlson is a fucking racist, sexist, whiny, lying, complaining, white privileged taint sucker who makes his money off of pretending not to be racist. And he's deceptively knowing he's trying to spin his conservative garbage, acting like that hat he's wearing isn't a KKK hood. 
Well, we all see it's a KKK hood, you fuck. Yeah, I'm calling you a racist pig scum. Come, Guzzler Tucker. You sit on your show and you act all confused and you act like you're asking rational questions when you know you're being a deliberate, shady, white power goondagger. I hate your fucking sexist, racist guts. And the second I hear your whiny trash can voice, my skin instantly boils and crawls and I'm made of violence. You make me violence. You're the reason for lesbianism. You're the reason for gayness. In other words, your existence turns people inside out. I would literally get with a murder hornet before allowing you to touch me or anyone I even know. The level that Fox News and you hide behind your bullshit show and you're acting like a news anchor is absurd and at this point it's offensive i'm straight up offended by your face your voice your ideas and the fact that you've procreated makes me believe in forced sterilization of basically just you if i could put you in a human centipede with stephen miller mike pence jim jordan doug collins matt gates and brett kavanaugh i would you could all spend your fucking life ass to mouth eating each other's shit and it shouldn't be that hard since that's what you're all doing anyway the jig is up tucker we see you we're not fooled your skin is peeled back and maybe you're not v the alien but you're v the kkk white supremacist fuckbag and you need to be canceled you need to be fired you need to be flushed down the toilet never to be heard from fucking again now it's time for another edition of quarantine skew No dark sarcasm in the classroom Teacher, leave them kids alone Now it's time for Brandy and I to ride our tiny bicicleta to skew. This is our segment called Time for Skew, where a live person teaches us something. And the class we are taking today is called Fuck Facebook. And our professor for the day is an accountability expert, Brandy Collins-Dexter. Brandy Collins-Dexter is the senior campaign director at Color of Change, which is part of the coalition responsible for the corporate boycott of Facebook that's happening right now. Using the hashtag Stop Hate for Profit, Color of Change and a group of other civil rights organizations joined together and engineered the most successful and high-profile social media reckoning in recent history. That's right, and even though no one believes that Facebook could ever be canceled, it bears mentioning that Brandy herself had a hand in taking down everyone's favorite right-wing loofah predator, <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. Think about it. Bill O'Reilly was huge. He was on TV being racist and roid ragey every night for like 20 years. The man created an entire industry. He was the face of Fox News. No one ever thought he could ever be canceled. But thanks in part to Brandy Collins Dexter, he was. She helped get that motherfucker and his disgusting show literally canceled. Literally. And now we want her to teach us about the takedown of another powerful piece of shit, Mark Zuckerberg. So without further ado, it's time for Fuck Facebook Skew with Brandy Collins Dexter. Hi. I feel like I need y'all to be like my hype squad when I'm getting up and going to work in the morning. We can. Like, get up! Woo! It's time to go to work! I mean, I went to women's college, which is pretty much my excuse for, like, everything mm. I do. So that was a good training ground for destroying men. So. <laughs> speaking oh, speaking your language, man. Okay, I know. God. So just start us off and tell us how the boycott started. Yeah, so I mean, at Color of Change, um, we have been going after Facebook for quite a while. Um, I think almost five years at this point, um, pre-Trump, we saw that uh, there were groups, uh, closed white nationalist groups that were targeting and doxing um, black activists. People were um, showing up to, to activists like place of work to their um, home. And when we went to Facebook and asked them to take action on these groups, um, um, they declined initially. And so we've been we've been kind of like building this pressure campaign. We've called for them to do a civil rights audit. Um, we, we've been trying to like sort of beat the drum at how like fucked up Facebook is for, for quite some time. But I think right now we're in this moment where it, it's just becoming so 
clear in terms of all of the different ways in which we've seen Facebook kind of turn a blind eye to genocide globally, um, have let white nationalists and and, um, terror groups kind of like unchecked uh, rain free on their platform, um, a number of other issues that I think in this moment, a lot of people are really trying to draw a line in the sand. And so this is the first time, um, and it started like a couple weeks ago, Sleeping Giants actually came to us um, and they have been doing some some parallel work. We're also involved in the O'Reilly campaign. And, and so they came to us with this idea of like, we feel like we could get, um, we could get advertisers to actually like leave Facebook for a month. And we kind of went back and forth at color of change and was like, could this really happen? Like, could we do that? And, and we decided, you know what, like, At this point, we have no other choice. Like, we have to try everything we can. Mm. And so we started pushing out letters um, to corporations and uh, having conversations. It's been, like, kind of madness with all the groups and and things that have come together around this. The Duke and Duchess of um, Sussex have also been, you know, calling. We're also reaching out to corporations as well. And so, yeah, we were able to, like, really build some pressure as a collective to get um, advertisers to push pause for the month of July. I mean, first of all, I'm just imagining the Duke and just calling in like, hello. Yeah, no, right? I'm just kind of like 2020, man. Yeah, no. yeah, exactly. So then it went from the groups coming together to this hashtag. Is that... Yeah, I mean, I thought, I think it was, I can't claim credit for that hashtag, unfortunately. But like, I think people, um, Sleeping Giants and um, Color of Change, um, ADL, NAACP and other groups wanted something that was like pretty straightforward, you know, just go literal here, like, let's say what we're trying to do. And um, so it's really trying to like organize people around this idea of what we're talking about here and the and the hate and the violence on the platform in a way that's not like a term like let's say net neutrality or a number of other hashtags where it's not really clear what we're talking about here Uh, Um, i love that was kind of the call to action yeah It's, it's so perfect so walk us through the communication with Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, it's been really frustrating, to be honest, because just to even walk it back with Color of Change's involvement. So we we had been at the negotiating table with Facebook um, for years. And then a couple of years ago in 2018, there was actually this New York Times article that came out uh, that I think won or got nominated for a Pulitzer, uh, which pulled back the curtain on the ways in which Facebook tried to dismantle their quote unquote enemies. And one of the ways they did that is by hiring a right wing firm called the Definers, which sounds villainous in and of itself, it to actually like go after groups. And they named Color of Change as one of the groups. And so this group was actually this like PR firm was going to extreme right-wing media was pushing this narrative of color of change being a puppet of george soros so like trafficking and like anti-semitic tropes in order to discredit us in the press while they were talking to us at the table and so when that came out um we actually demanded a meeting initially with um cheryl sandberg and mark zuckerberg so um color of change met directly with them at their headquarters a couple of years ago and that's one of the ways in which we started pushing um this civil rights audit even more heavily so like cut to now at this point uh, we've met several times with cheryl sandberg like it's Ew. always been <laughs> oh it's I mean, I, and I'll say this, like, I, I do think that Facebook is like highly problematic. Their leadership is problematic. I think, again, again, blaming women's colleges for everything great and bad about me. Like, she gives me very, like, second wave feminist vibes. And there's something about that that I both don't love, but also can kind of get um and so i get that she's she's like this no-nonsense person that's like really smart and has tried to like uh, has helped make facebook the juggernaut that it is and she's very protective of it in the same way as that mark zuckerberg is but like part of what the challenge has been is to get them to see this as like not a pr crisis that they kind of have to sweep under the rug like you know when somebody's coming over for dinner and instead of cleaning your house you just like throw all your shit in the closet <laughs> like this has kind of been facebook for the last couple of years and so by the time we get to this point um my boss rashad actually had already met with mark zuckerberg and cheryl sandberg i think about a month and a half ago or about a month ago um around census and uh, disinformation that donald trump was putting up on facebook 
Facebook that was allowed to stand. Uh, and, and so this has been a series of like frustrating meetings. And I think we went into this last meeting um, last week, uh, hoping that this time they would be ready to listen now that we had kind of messed with their bottom line a little bit and they were losing advertisers. And I think we did get them to move a little bit on a couple of pieces around on um, the civil rights audit and finally agreeing to hire a vice president um, whose whose job is to look at like civil rights violations across all different facets of the platform from hiring to algorithms, etc. But the truth of the matter is that they're trying to do everything they can to actually avoid any level of accountability. And so there's, we can push them and we can show this action, but there's so much of a juggernaut that Mark Zuckerberg is meanwhile going into meetings and telling his staff, oh, don't worry, everybody's going to be back in August or September because where else are they going to go? And so when you can get a thousand advertisers to leave a platform and that's the response, you know that like the next step has to be regulation. And so that's where we're moving. Why are they resisting? a change be accountability are they just monsters like is, is this something they just don't care about yeah well that's what we're wondering is mark zuckerberg i think he either knows what they're doing is wrong and he doesn't care because he wants the money or he's afraid to make any changes because he's also going to lose money like what is his problem i mean i think it's a i think Yes, obviously there's money and, and, and Facebook and other social media platforms are built around this idea of um, extremism. And I'm not saying that like um, ideology, but like extreme reactions, like you're supposed to have an emotional reaction on their platforms. They have psychologists on, you know, that work for Facebook to figure out how can we get people kind of addicted to this content. Oh and so, so when you think about it. that and then you take a step back and you think about this kid, you know, at Harvard, develop this platform, I think, for the purposes of like meeting and rating girls like this is where Facebook started from. And you think of um, him and you think of Silicon Valley, which is built on this Ayn Rand kind of objectivist framework that is actually very anti-regulation, very much um, rejecting this idea of government intervention in any way. And also, um, when you look at the history of Silicon Valley, a lot of people talk about it as if it's like this really liberal place. But the truth of the matter is from the beginning, um, it's like white nationalists have been the fastest adopters of the early adopters of new technology and are often um, disproportionately represented in IT spaces. Um, you've seen like um, yeah, yeah. So you're like incel in the basement or whatever the stereotype of that. He's also like your local Ew. IT guy, and he also works at Facebook. But I mean, I think there's like this ideology of that the free exchange of ideas, completely unrein, like completely without any ways in which we've created boundaries around First Amendment, just right. kind of obliterating that on the platform. That from that comes a sort of new um, democracy or a, you know a new exchange of ideas that can move us forward in progress and and what we find as with anything is that when things are mostly built by white men guess what happens like it tends to you know cater towards um what is meaningful for white males but like every other marginalized group is kind of like left on the fringes and that's the way a lot of these platforms have actually been built and developed barf i feel i just it's just scary i just hate it yeah well it's an interesting thing like the way that they're hiding behind the first amendment it's just it has to be regulated it has to be well okay so i i could go off on a rant about the first amendment in the u.s in and of itself in my critiques of it but like putting that to the side for a moment the ways in which they're using the first amendment um, as a cover or shield for what's happening on the platforms is actually not how it was intended or defined. First of all, when we're talking about the First Amendment historically, often that's protection from dis dissident voices from government overreach and government intimidation. So when you have a platform where the government can literally put up a post, like Donald Trump can put up a post saying he's going to shoot people, putting up information falsely equating um, vote by mail with voter fraud, um, and that anybody that engages in it will be dealt with. That and That's actually exactly what the First Amendment was supposed to protect us from in a lot of ways. And so there's a warping of that and then also 
in, through court cases and history, we've put boundaries around it. We've said you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. We've said that there's certain things that operate outside the boundaries of the First Amendment. And when you look at how content plays out on these social media platforms, they're just blasting through that every day with like no accountability. They yell fire in a crowded theater every single minute. And they also sell, yeah. they sell fake <laughs> shit, fake yeah. ads. Is there any companies that are brands that said no we love being involved with hate speech <laughs> no we love being involved in hate like speech. Did, like did they say no we're gonna we're gonna stay on we're not right, gonna we do don't the boycott care. we don't we're we, we're not accountable no. to the people i mean we've we've definitely seen a lot of companies that are like we're thinking about it mm. um and and it was a lot of hang back and see and i i actually appreciate I, I wasn't i have to say when we first launched this campaign i wasn't expecting the like granola contingent to kind of step up the way it did but like patagonia right like these like <laughs> nature companies were actually i'm calling them nature companies you can tell them from the city i am not properly describing them at all but like the ones with the vest out yeah north face yeah. north face yeah when it first came out i was like i guess people who enjoy skiing really are <laughs> against facebook they're really into this yeah they were kind of the first companies to say you know what we actually don't stand by this at all we're mm. gonna pull out and so I think when you saw this like wave of companies and as each company um, from a certain industry came out and stood tall, then you saw all the other dominoes mm. from that industry fall. So when Verizon comes out, then other telecom companies mm. follow and you sort of see that pattern happening throughout. But what about campaigns? They make a ton of money from campaign ads like were campaigns approached like the Biden campaign, for example. Yeah. So we actually did. We, we've been pretty clear that. The goal of this is really to one, hit um, Facebook in its pocket and also to go to corporations um, and say, you know, maybe this month you don't use Facebook to sell your shoes. Um, you know, we were, we were really targeting like corporations, big business. We weren't calling for like smaller businesses that overly rely on Facebook advertising. We weren't calling on nonprofits. The, the intention wasn't to hurt people. And then from a political standpoint, we actually didn't want, we didn't want this to become a political football because that's already the problem. Like Facebook tries to shove civil rights into this left frame and then put like a false equivalency between that and anti-conservative right. bias as those those are two things and so we did have a number of uh, members of congress approach us mm -hmm. and we were just like actually no we would much rather you use your platform to say when i get reelected again or what this is what i'm going to do to make sure that facebook doesn't have this much power that's the best thing you could do in this time as opposed to pulling ads and what did he push back on in the meeting so um, Rashad and Arisha, our president and vice president, were in the meetings. And so one of the things that we've been really pushing against is this newsworthy label that's being used as an excuse to, to not um, remove disinformation altogether. And so we have been working for years again to get a number of policies in place to get Facebook to do better content moderation, to remove disinformation. Um, but at every turn, they've they've created loopholes for politicians and the people that had the largest speaker boxes to actually be able to leave their disinformation up. And so one of the things they said is like when Trump puts out something that says vote by mail is voter fraud, instead of actually removing that and correcting the record on that, we're going to slap a little label on that and say, you know, this this might be questionable. And so one of the things that we're really pushing back against is that um, that's not good enough. Like we really need to see you take action on removing disinformation. People need to be informed when they've come in contact with disinformation. And we really wanna see you guys think about civil rights as not just being a policy issue, but one that has to do with algorithmic bias, one that has to do with um, the ways you think about things legally, your PR, like at every turn, you need to have like civil rights considerations built in that are um, in alignment with the civil rights laws that we've had in place for 50 years. Give us an example of algorithmic bias. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna give you one that is, um, 
I'll, I'll maybe come back to one on Facebook, but the one that immediately pops up in my head is actually when we were doing the R. Kelly campaign. Um, and uh, Safia Noble is actually one of the people that I, I have deep respect for, and she's written Algorithms of Oppression. That's an amazing book. And she talks about how this plays out on Google. But when we were doing the R. Kelly campaign earlier this year, and we were talking um, to some of the uh, women that have been in uh, left uh, relation, you know, violent relationship with him, one of the things that happened was there was this threat of, rela- of releasing um, revenge porn. And, uh, and so when I was trying to find information and data statistics on black women and revenge porn, when I Googled um, black women revenge porn, all that came up was like hardcore porn that was usually like race play and usually like a dominant black woman like punishing a white man but when you google um either white women in revenge porn or you google women in revenge porn it's the stats that actually come up accurately talking about revenge porn so that's like one of the kind of like day-to-day things around algorithmic bias of when you associate uh black women not with being like victims of rape or survivors of rape but being um uh, dominating like white men and that's what comes up when you're googling revenge porn and black women that's like the kind of like subliminal things that that we get pumped to us every day that come from the algorithms and the way they're created wow it must be all over facebook then wow yeah, and it's like and it's like what you and part of it is this filter bubble right and so like we're not people talk about first amendment and free marketplace of ideas and we should all be able to like debate things logically and quote unquote and i can i can I can point out the fallacy of that, but the bottom line too is that we don't even get that opportunity because we're so far shoved into these various Mm -hmm. corners that there's no intersection. And so that's when the algorithmic bias can really be dangerous because the more content that um, you read, the more you like Ben Shapiro or or certain uh, Tucker Carlson or whatever, the more likely you are to get certain types of information that's um, directed towards you that other people aren't able to access. And even in the course of like false positives and trying to like automate how do we um, look at disinformation and take it down? Studies have shown that um, algorithmic bias actually leads to a false positive on um, black users on Facebook more often than um, white users. So again, at every turn, the system is kind of rigged to create a certain experience that reinforces inequities. And that's why like saying, oh, but the First Amendment is not gonna get it done and is not really good enough as an adequate like sort of response to that. Yeah, exactly. It's, but it seems so overwhelming. It's just so daunting and de- depressing. Yeah, I mean, it, it does get challenging for sure. I've picked up various bad habits and, and put them down over the course of this. I think what <laughs> keeps me going is um, like just a burning, intense rage. Um, and <laughs> that's just like, like I feel like whatever that Genesis story is for like, you know, some sort of super, not that I'm calling myself a superhero, but you know, like I, like I'm approaching this um, with like a vendetta because to me it does feel real. It's like when you see people in your lives and when we read story after story about the rise of hate crimes, when we look at misogyny and how that plays out, when we look at all of this for our communities and the fact that there's so many people in so many positions that are willing to turn a blind eye to that it's just it's the fuel that that drives me and it, and also I'm just I'm a little bit of a rebel rouser and so anytime that like I'm like what you mean I could get paid as a job to like fuck with corporations and make them do what I want like sign me up and that was <laughs> kind of like has been my approach through this and other you know campaigns we've done what are some examples of like successful boycotts? Boy, see, see, and this is the thing that was really challenging to me about this because actually it's been a while, I think, since we've been able to have successful boycott tactics. A lot of people tie that to the civil rights movement and, and um, the ways in which the boycott um, tactic was able to be used successfully, but in a time where one, we're more online as opposed to like in person too because of the again as you point out the size of these companies um we've seen people attempt to do like individual facebook boycotts but it's like when a platform has two billion people on it 
a hundred people leaving the platform or even a million is not going to really register for them in the same way. I think what drew us to this campaign was the idea that advertisers who spend millions of dollars a week, a month, you know, a year to be able to get them to like pull back their money and already are seeing like companies in um, Europe also starting to ask us to meet with them. So like being able to move this internationally, this is like the first time that I've really actually seen in a long time, um, a boycott tactic be deployed in a way that makes me feel, you know, somewhat hopeful in my cold dead heart. (laughs) Yeah, well, it feels like it's doing something. It's just strange to think that, okay, we're going to boycott a brand Mm -hmm. per se, but yet this is merely a brand. I mean, it's still just a product, you know, it's Facebook, but there's just no way to get everybody off of it. No, right. There isn't. (laughs) I'm not even on Facebook. So for me, it's like everybody just needs to get off of it. It's that simple. We all just have to go. Let's just turn that off. Let's just, let's just delete the app. But here's what's scary about it. So it's like one, you know, I I do, I haven't really been on Facebook for um, a long time. I go to like, I've had to reactivate it to go onto the ad library to look at their ads because they block you out after a certain point in time if you don't use your Facebook ID. But um, I am a little more on Instagram and WhatsApp, which are both owned by Facebook. So again, you can't fully get away um, from the brand. A lot of people don't know that. But the truth of the matter is like my dad has never been on Facebook a day of his life. He still calls it the Facebook. Like he watches Gunsmoke all day. (laughs) But because people in his like circle are including my mom has been like a prolific Facebooker. She like uses it to go at when she sees something on CNN, she'll go onto their Facebook page and say she doesn't like what they said about this thing. And and because of the people in his orbit, Facebook still has a data profile on him. So it's like that's that's the kind of systems wow. that are being created where it's almost it doesn't matter if you as an individual try to leave the matrix, like it's still um it's still wrapped around you God. in a number of different ways. <laughs> that's so gross. I have to get off this that I have to get so off this call. My skin I just Flaked off. That is so gross. You literally, like, like they, if you're on it, then everyone around you has to be on it too because it sucks (laughs) their information too. Yeah, so you have to get, like, you have to get your North Face vest and just, like, go out into the woods (laughs) and just, like, leave it all alone. Exactly. Well, please tell your mom to go on CNN's page and say, (laughs) I fucking hated when they had Mark Zuckerberg do a town hall on coronavirus. Yeah, she did. Okay, good. She's on on top of it. I mean, ugh, the worst. Before we let you go, tell us what, I just, there's nothing we can do. (laughs) It's like, I want to say, what what can our 14 listeners do? What can we do? What can we do to help this? But there's nothing. No, I mean, okay, look, I I think sometimes I I definitely get in my cynical shell and it's like, there's nothing we can do. But I I do think, one, we have seen Facebook move a lot further than um, we have seen them move in the past. Um, There was a point in time where it didn't seem like they were ever going to do anything around Trump's content at all. And the fact that they're actually being forced to um, do some level of moderation on that, that they've been forced to, like, bring in resources. So there is a possibility that this pressure can work. So I I do think that calling upon, um, you know, corporations can be helpful. The other thing, too, and part of why I was excited to come on this podcast is that a lot of this stuff is like super inside ball to people like when I for years when I've been talking about like tech companies and tech accountability like I totally sound like that tinfoil hatty like weirdo that is talking about something that seems like way far in the future or a sci-fi movie but the more in which we're like really having these conversations with people and talking about yes these platforms are doing this no getting off of them is not always enough but one thing you can do is you know call up your member of Congress and make and tell them are you willing to say no to taking Facebook money or are you willing to regulate in a certain way um, and like you call up your media like you know have them discuss this more as an issue more like really talk about it in your communities and older people um, on Facebook are actually one of the prime targets for disinformation so there's also a lot of work that has to happen there with making sure people are getting accurate information and, and know um, where they can get trusted sources but like it's not uh, it, we can't opt out of this so we we keep fighting and and we can get changes but um yeah it's 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 never easy so <laughs> i just have one more question okay so as far as the regulation goes 
Um, do you know now, or is it being formulated? Are the regulations being formulated? Is there a plan being made for like the type of regulation that will be, you know, suggested for Facebook slash possibly other platforms? And I'm sure it goes into data and the internet. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah. Are they working on it? Are they? Are we forming a plan? It depends on who the brand yeah. we are, but I mean, I think well. that they're. they're <laughs> but um, on July twenty seventh is actually, I think it's being called like Techapalooza, um, which is where the Judiciary and Congress is calling in all the uh, CEOs of big tech companies to, to, to discuss antitrust. And so I think oh. this is like I would rather see them pulled individually. I think it's problematic that you're going to have like. Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google all together in one place because what I think is going to happen is everybody's going to pile on to Facebook and and Google is actually really terrible. Amazon is actually really terrible. Are you kidding? Oh, oh my god! Julie doesn't yeah. even have an Amazon account. I, I had yeah. to get off of it. I did get off of Amazon. I don't even have an Amazon account. Okay. Yeah, That's it's so the much. worst. The worst. But. It, so this is a moment to, you know, move forward and push them. The Federal Trade Commission, um, last year, they levied one of the biggest fines in history, like uh, billions of dollars in fines for Facebook. And I think they're trying to, you know, figure out some of the work there. Um, Sen Senator Gillibrand has called for a data protection agency, which we've supported, which I think is one vehicle for actually being able to um, organize this out and create the infrastructure to do more regulation. And so there's definitely things moving. But as long as people are allowed to like dismiss antitrust is a very, again, like white male typically space, unfortunately, and very hill. So the more in which we're talking about these issues in ways that are more demystifying and then calling for accountability, I think the more it forces Congress and the Federal Trade Commission and even um, the FCC to have to like deal with these things more concretely. So were you loving Elizabeth Warren like we were because we <laughs> obviously hate Amazon and Facebook and we yeah. loved hearing her talk about breaking them up. It was like my, f yeah. my favorite pastime. Oh yeah. I guess I can talk about it now. So I, I had a bit of a Sophie's choice with um, Bernie and Elizabeth. I have to admit, but like, I, you know, I, I tend to gravitate towards the women. So, yes, I did love Elizabeth Warren. And her antitrust, like her, the ways in which she's talking about these issues, like I think Bernie talks about like the labor and the worker issues in a specific way. But the way that she can take this like really wonky technical like company, like monopoly power stuff and really distill it down and have a plan for the work she was going to do around that, I, w I was so here for it. I actually um, saw her at the Essence Festival and we took like a photo <gasps> with her and I was totally like fangirling out because I do. I Yes, all power uh, to uh, Senator well, Warren. We're hoping that maybe she maybe she'll head up whatever tech yeah. thing they do or right. whatever. I would love that. They probably hate her. That's also I like that uh, knowing that they probably completely hate her and are like terrified of what would happen if she was able to move in and really make the changes that she's talked about. And so, yeah, definitely supporting that. Didn't Mark Zuckerberg go on The View and say he hated her? So, I mean, yeah, yeah, and I think there oh, was an article yeah, that yeah. said he had actually told his staff that, like, uh, that she her nomination was, like, a potential threat. Like, yeah. he, he was never he's gonna... also gone after Pelosi. Pelosi apparently won't return his calls because she doesn't like him either. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Nancy Pelosi. Genius. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah. for taking us to fuck Facebook, Skill. That was, that yeah. was, I have, I haven't learned I feel like that's the most I've learned in a long time. Yeah. I mean, that was so, so, so informative. Again, like any time I can kind of, you know, bring chop off the knees of a villain. I'm always for <laughs> that. So anytime it's like fuck Facebook, if you've got a fuck Amazon show, call me up for that. <laughs> oh, my I'm God. For like that's any... the next one. Well, tell our 14 listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so um, check us out at um, colorofchange.org. We're doing some amazing work also on um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram yeah. at <laughs> Color of Change. Um, me personally, mm. at Branding Brandy is my um, Twitter hashtag. So if you ever want to see me like popping off on J.K. Rowling or any other number of people, then you can find me <laughs> on Twitter doing that. Branding Brandy with an I, right? Brandy with an I. Yes. Thank you so Thank much. You. We'll have you back for Fuck Amazon. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay, bye. bye. Now it's time for So There's That. 
part of the show where Julie has to find a so there's that moment that's happening because of or in spite of the rotted pile of racist Facebook garbage that this country has become. She hates doing it, and at this point, I don't blame her. Today's whole show has been one long story about powerful racist white men that make their money controlling the narrative and using their platforms to brainwash people and make us hate each other. I have never felt so disgusted or so discouraged. But that's why we need you to give us a so there's that moment meow meow that will help us feel like there's some justice or some good force at work. Ooh. And I know you spent all night <laughs> trying to find a good one. So did you? Oh, well, <laughs> this really did take to the last minute. The <laughs> level of needing to do anything else, including the dishes, sweeping the floor, do the laundry, look at my peeling skin, make a new batch of dog food, rather than keep looking for a so there's that, really did take the cake. <laughs> I, I, believe me, mm. I was a full-on <laughs> witness. Your Honor, I witnessed all of Ooh, it. Ooh, and mm, cake. I would really <laughs> love to sit alone in a dark ac room right now, alone with an ice cream cake. But alas... Upon perusing finally around with the help of you, we found it. I really was hoping to find a story where a white man wasn't pardoned by the president or perhaps a smart hacker found a way to drain Jeff Bezos's bank account and America could really get down to that Green New Deal and the economic justice we've all been awaiting. Ha ha ha. Even though the, <laughs> those things didn't happen, there is a little something that caught my eye. Now, as you all know, we hate Facebook. That's been discussed. <laughs> okay. We also hate Amazon. And let's not forget Google. They are guilty of data theft, ad manipulation, fakery, fraudulence, and ultimately pushing out and destroying small businesses and the ability people used to have to socialize in a respectful manner. We've seen the introduction by Facebook and Amazon of Facebook Live, Instagram Live, and all their online hosting, development, and the level they have deals with the government and other agencies holding secret, top secret, and sensitive information from the government on down to regular old Joes like me and you. Then, of course, there's been all the other bullshit thirst apps, Snapchat, Vine, YouTube, etc. And recently, the app that has taken the world's thirst by storm is TikTok. Aptly named, because guess what? Tick motherfucking talk <laughs> right back to you. Okay? Time's up, TikTok. TikTok is a social media app where you make short music style videos, and much like Facebook or Twitter, you can develop a following, monetize your shit. It's just all the same bullshit. We now have little TikTok stars, and we've all viewed the videos on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, even if you don't have the app. Well, what you might not have known is that even though all that's true with their fun little news, the reason TikTok exists is to steal your data and more importantly creep and lurk and steal and spy on governmental agencies countries and banks and they've become a super spy tool for china yeah it's a beijing based company called ByteDance. that's the parent of tiktok though in the true master of deception way they have found and want to pretend and let us all know that they're not controlling the American and Canadian-based front facade companies, while Beijing enjoys taking all of our data and filtering it through some sort of governmental database of which we're now all on. This is not a conspiracy theory, people. This is real. Since 2019, companies and governmental agencies have been investigating TikTok, and slowly but surely, one by one, TikTok has been banned from several places that the regular run-of-the-mill kid or layperson just hasn't been susceptible to yet. Well, that may all be changing. An investigation by the American think tank Peterson Institute for International Economics described TikTok as a, quote, Hugh... Huawei, I don't know how to say that company. Is that Chinese like cell phone company? Oh, yeah, that's right. H-U-W-E-I. Yeah. Size problem that posed a national security threat to the West, noting the app's popularity with Western users. They included armed forces personnel and its alleged ability to convey location, image, and biometric data to its Chinese parent company, which is legally unable to refuse to share data with the Chinese government under the China Internet Security Law. It is against the law in China not to share your data with the government. Okay? Real quick. <laughs> yeah. When you download that app or you download it for your kid, and, and this is to be true with any free app, every free app, you pay for it and you pay for it with your data. But specifically an app like TikTok, which is Chinese owned and used for a fact for spying, just like when you get on WeChat, which is a Chinese owned chat uh, messenger, mm -hmm. like 
Facebook Messenger or Kick or WhatsApp. When you give a free app access to your phone, to your camera, to your photos, to your email, like for example, you can't take an attachment from your email and send it through WhatsApp without giving WhatsApp access to your email. Right. So t with TikTok, the big thing with TikTok is you're going to put your music on and you're going to put your camera on and you're also going to give it and you're going to give it access to everything on your phone. Right. So now it can look through your camera and mm -hmm. watch you masturbating. Right. It can go into your your all of your MP3 files, everything mm -hmm. in your music. It can go into your email. It can go into all your apps because you have somehow given this motherfucker access to all of the other apps on your phone, which is where your whole entire life is kept and the, where your whole entire everyone you know's life is kept as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, on July 7th, Trump even said they're looking into banning TikTok from the U.S. entirely. And even Mike Dumbfuck Pompeo said they're investigating TikTok because of the national security risk it imposes on the United States. And, you know, if those two pandering money grubbing butt pirates are saying <laughs> it, it can't be all fake. OK, this isn't about China. This is about the Chinese government and what they are doing. Uh, as of this month, the amount of places TikTok is being banned from is not only disturbing, it's also exciting and <laughs> makes me feel that there is accountability and people are paying attention. Here's some of the things that um, TikTok is now banned from. The, the U.S. Navy, the U.S. Army, the U.S. Air Force, the Coast Guard, the by, Marine by Corps. By this, what she means is if you w work in the Army, you cannot roll into work with TikTok on your device. Correct. That is right. So it's Navy, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, Marine, Department of Homeland Security, which includes TSA, the entire country of India, the entire country of India. The prime minister of India was like, fuck you not letting you invade our country like that. Now, India has its own problems with China and they whatever, and that's fine. But they also are banning 58 other Chinese apps they don't want at all inside India, which is what you should do if your country is even just frenemies like ours. Right. They don't let our apps in there at all. Right. Now, and finally, this week, the DNC and RNC is also any employees that work there. They cannot have TikTok. And finally, Wells fucking Fargo. Now, look, this is an international bank who cares nothing about you or your safety, but they care about that money, honey, and clearly are concerned with TikTok being on the devices of their employees or even near their data. Now, I'm thrilled. TikTok, along with a slew of other apps, exists to collect, mirror, and steal information. I'm sorry. Yes, it's fun to lip sync and get your thirst on. But this app is slowly being dismantled and the world has found them out. If Wells Fargo doesn't want TikTok near just their emails, imagine the shady trolley shit they're doing. TikTok needs to go. I'm sorry, but it does. And I hope the list keeps getting longer and not for nothing. I hope it's banned entirely. And I know many of us have developed the thirst at the, the TikTok addiction, but I promise you can kick it and you'll feel better knowing you're not allowing a government who wants to oppress its people, not let Hong Kong have independence, put Muslim people in concentration camps, doesn't have any regulations, has a festival every year where it tortures and boils dogs alive and eats them, puts children in sweatshops, doesn't want LGBT people to exist in in their country still has wet markets fucked us over with coronavirus and won't let tibet be free has been in a 40 plus year war over borders with india fuck them we don't need to be their pawns we are better than that so good riddance tiktok so there's that That's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. Thank you guys for listening. Seriously, we love you all so much. And we are so grateful for all 14 of you, especially right now. Please consider joining our Patreon podcast if you haven't yet. I know we say it every time and we say it in the same exact way because that's the way I leave it here. It's $1 <laughs> for one podcast a week and $2 for two podcasts a week. They're both an hour and they can definitely be hit or miss as far as content but there's no ads and no politics. And this week, it's all about how we fucking hate Amber Heard and how <laughs> Meghan McCain unblocked Julie. 
It's usually just us pulling shit out of our asses and discussing it. You might find it soothing to listen to something with no structure or consistency, but if nothing else, you will be distracted from your own life thinking how annoying and insufferable and tone deaf we are. (laughs) Exactly. And right now it's important that we all spend part of every day plugged in and paying attention and contributing to the fight for racial equality in whatever way that means for you. But it's also important to set aside a little time to disconnect and do something harmless and mindless. And there's nothing more mindless than our Patreon podcast. So if you want to try it out, just go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics. Scroll down to the episode from September 11th, which is unlocked and free to listen to. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And fuck Facebook and Fox News. And TikTok. How'd you do, I... See you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man. By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme And maybe play you a sign You look like you're both pretty groovy Want something visual that's not too abysmal. We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat wheel. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. (laughs) Why don't you... Stay for the night. Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania So, come up to the lab And see what's on the slab I see you shiver with anticipation But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. (laughs) But not the symptom.